0: Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Friesen. You are listening to season seven of What the Flock. This season, our goal is to carefully approach some very serious and often polarizing topics. The issues we're going to focus on have and continue to cause so much damage people seem unable to civilly discuss these topics. The episodes in this season will give you the tools you need to facilitate your ability to talk about these topics in a beneficial
1: manner. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swickowski. Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Great, man, how are you? I'm well, I'm looking forward to another season seven episode.
0: Yes, sir. Before we get into it, I have a disclaimer. The seriousness of these issues often results in people not hearing both sides before judging the issue. Right, Joel?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: With that said, we encourage you to be careful sharing anything from these episodes with other people without first encouraging them to hear the entire episode for themselves. Isn't that right, Joel?
1: That's right, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, wait, hang on. Yep, there's another thing. In addition to listening to the entire episode for yourself, we highly recommend listening to any previous episodes that are referenced during this episode. Right, Joel?
1: I agree with that as well. Yes.
0: We're on our way.
1: Can I do a disclaimer too?
0: You know, while we're here, let's do it.
1: This is how we're being really careful with these topics we're discussing season seven as we're given lots of disclaimers. So these are all topics that have been debated at length. The reason they have and continue to be debated is because traditional debates do not work. Debates pit two sides against each other. Each side is concerned with only trying to prove their own point, often becoming overly emotional about the topic, even triggering. Instead of trying to learn something new and find out how they could be wrong, when it comes to these topics, the topics in season seven, people seem to want to root themselves deeper into what they already believe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we saw with the previous six seasons that each issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. And we called those perspectives the strict and loose side of the argument can you give us an overview of the strict and loose sides joel
1: yeah the strict perspective as it relates to the topics and in our you know our our goal for season seven what we see is this side of whatever topic we're covering invites and initiates conflict onto these topics this side the strict side tends to be a bully using intimidation as a tactic to control people. They hold people to strict standards in which they rationalize away any need that they would have to hold themselves to that same standard. These people on the strict side become hypocrites like the Pharisees when they are confronted and respond by justifying why they can hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. Then we have the loose side as it relates to these topics. In season seven, what we'll see is this side avoids conflict and tension as much as possible. The standards they hold themselves to are based on how they and others feel, leaving them with no objective measures for what the moral answer is. This side tends to be an enabler, removing any discomfort brought on by confrontation. And these people on the loose side show that they don't actually care for others when they avoid confronting people who are in pain for their own benefit.
0: Great. Thanks, Joel. So what we have here is we have one side who has bullying tendencies and the other side who has enabling tendencies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great. summary.
0: So the the number one technique we're going to use throughout this season is to repeat back to the opposing side what they believe to their satisfaction before making my point. This is so simple and so powerful. It's difficult to do. It is the only way to have a profitable interaction because it causes people to listen to the other side once they know they've been hurt. Debating would actually be a benefit if seeking first to understand was the guiding principle that the debating mediators followed. And we will focus on understanding each side first. So what's the topic we're going to discuss today, Joel?
1: The topic we're going to discuss today is evolution. Versus creation.
0: Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. What is the
1: strict side of the topic? The strict side. Simply put, God created everything according to the literal interpretation of Genesis, which means the earth is around 6,000 years old.
0: Okay. Allow me to repeat back it to you what you said. The Bible's literal. Creation's literal, the Earth is six thousand years old. Literal, it's what it yeah. said.
1: Done. That's great. Yeah, I feel satisfied. I'm satisfied. Thank you, man. Thank you. That wasn't hard. No,
0: it felt good. And if that felt good, felt good.
1: So, what's the loose side of the topic? The loose side would be, you know, Jonathan. I believe in God. But it makes sense that he would have used evolution and even the Big Bang as his method for creation, which means that the creation account in the book of Genesis is more of a figurative account.
0: Okay, so just to make sure I understand, the loose perspective in this case, Joel, is that the Big Bang, evolution, uh, creation is... God could have used evolution. God could have used the big bang and the Genesis account is figurative. It's a, it's, it's poetry. It's something that's beautiful. It's something that, but the big bang could have been valid. Evolution is valid.
1: Right. Yeah. Satisfactory to me. All right. Yeah. So
0: let me summarize the damage.
1: The strict side holds to the
0: literal interpretation and a 6,000 year old earth, while the loose side enables evolution as the method in which God created the world, which has been around for millions of
1: years. What a great summary. Thank you. So let's argue, shall we? Let's argue.
0: I don't want to argue.
1: I don't want to either, but
0: <laughs> we actually, need to I learn kinda, how actually I kind of Yeah, agree. I know. I know. And so do I. I'm changing Yeah.
1: but there, there is a right way. And I think you're changing because there's a right way to argue.
0: I know this, this first step of understanding it, yeah. this, this gives me courage to be able to argue. And honestly,
1: there's no one better. I know than you at that first step of just oh, repeating back what the person said. So.
0: So what you're saying is there's no one better. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm satisfied.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) And I'm blushing.
0: blushing. Oh, it got hot in here. (laughs) How, how would you argue for the strict side?
1: All right. If I was on the strict side, Mm -hmm. what I would do is say Genesis one records the six days of creation. There weren't thousands of years between those days. Those days are 24-hour days. I'd also say the plants, which were made on the third day, were made before the sun on the fourth day. The reason that's important is it shows the sun had to have been just a mere day after the plants were made, or the plants would have died without the Mm. sun, right? Yeah, sure. That's an important progression there. But in reality, each step of creation, or each day of creation even is more complicated than the last which brings up the next point in the 1980s there was a series of creation versus evolution debates held on college campuses the series was canceled halfway through because the creationists were able to score two quick points every time they debated the first point is that the law of thermodynamics says that things tend to run down over time, not become more organized. The Big Bang would result in disorder with every particle moving away from every other particle. The Big Bang believes an explosion-created order So the creationists during this series of creation versus evolution debates in the 80s would just simply ask, if we blew up an office building, would it form a hospital across the street? The second point that creationists would win right away is that evolution depends on missing links and none have been found. DNA has made this point even stronger because there's no way to explain how the DNA changed so drastically and perfectly. In the 1980s, the evolutionists would quickly concede the two points so they could get to their part of being able to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about, which means that they lost every debate two to nothing. So the debates were canceled. So that's what I would do if I was arguing for the strict side. Now, if I was on this side, how would I argue against the loose side?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would ask, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, what this really speaks to is how would a baby human have survived? So for anyone who has had a baby, babies are completely helpless. Now, the answer, according to the Bible, is that the chicken came first because it was created by God, just like adult humans, like Adam and Eve, were created by God as adults. If you believe in evolution, well, person on the loose side, you would be okay giving a newborn baby to a primate. So that's essentially what you're arguing for, is that that's what happened along the evolutionary timeline. Now, what I would say against the loose side, if I was on the strict side, I'd finish by saying God created everything in six days, but the state of creation upon creation was as if the earth or universe had already existed, right? So for instance, Adam was already an adult. The trees that were created during that day of creation were trees of fruit bearing age. Hmm. So if you would chop open that tree that was created on the day trees were created, it would appear as if it was more than a day old. So those are the arguments I would make either for the strict side and against the loose side.
0: Okay. So it's, it is, it's it's like God spoke and created adult things, mature right. things. Right. The earth was the earth was mature when he spoke, the land was mature, the fish, the trees, the humans, everything was adult.
1: Yeah. As if the the ground in which he created for man to have dominion over was ground that would have been immediately profitable had man done the job God gave man to do.
0: Okay. Excellent.
1: How would you
0: argue? For the loose side.
1: Well, for the loose side, I would say, you know, evolution took place between Genesis 1:1 and Genesis 1-2. So listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's verse 1.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Verse 2 is the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. it say Jonathan. No one knows what happened in between those two verses.
0: Hmm.
1: Also, if I'm on the loose side, I would argue you know what? We do see a multitude of similarities in comparing primates to humans. Like, look at their fingerprints. You know, look at a lot of the facial features. Like, humans and primates look alike. Mm hmm. Now, if I was on the loose side, how would I argue against the strict side? I would point out that ancient civilizations are being found that are more than 6,000 years old, even closer to 12,000 years. And this is supported by carbon dating. And then I would ask the person on the strict side, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs?
0: Hmm.
1: And Do you take everything the Bible says literally?
0: Oh, that's a fun question.
1: Right. So those are the for the loose side and against the strict side perspectives. Okay.
0: Awesome. So what is the ultimate answer? The topic, Joel?
1: The ultimate answer. The big picture. Our answer is leadership, grace, and love with an emphasis on Paul's approach as shared in the season seven supplementary episode. Remember, our (laughs) ultimate answer isn't about what's the answer of evolution versus creation. What we're doing is helping people discuss these topics in a beneficial manner, right? (laughs)
0: Okay, I'm like, oh, I'm excited for you to unpack this. Here's our ultimate answer to evolution yeah. versus
1: creation, leadership, grace, and love. Yeah. Thanks for it, listening, everyone. Yeah. For real. <laughs> I that's.
0: But I, I'm excited for you to unpack it.
1: Yeah. I mean, because ultimately we're talking about dealing with people with these beliefs. We're and not talking about com- the beliefs.
0: Right. And having conversations right. or arguing in a healthy fashion.
1: Absolutely. So we need to know- <laughs> So one of the things we learned in the season seven supplementary episode, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Because the ultimate answer is based in that teaching we need to know whether or not we're talking to a believer or an unbeliever
0: right and that's like saying you you know well wait wait, wait. before you even debate the issue are you looking to lead this person are you are you trying to trying to prove your point are you taking direction from god even listening to what he says to you are you trying to love or trying to take from this person it's just like yeah that's great i love it important
1: Yeah, and and ultimately, in order to do those three things, leadership, grace, and love, we need to know whether we're talking to someone who is strong in the faith or weak in the faith. We need Mm -hmm. to know whether or not they even believe in God. We don't want to cause a believer to stumble, and we want to reach the unbeliever for God. So the leadership is us aiming to seek to understand the other person's perspective, regardless of what they believe. With this, we could start with making sure we understand each other's definitions of the keywords we're using, like evolution, creation, carbon dating, power. Then the grace and love, ultimately, when interacting with either side, the person ought to take direction from God via grace in order to love them. And what grace and love are the key in is they're the key in helping us avoid enabling and avoid judging the other person with the hopes of winning them. Mm. Whether that winning is building their faith or winning is leading them into salvation. So ultimate answer, if you need help, listen to the grace and love episodes, season two, episode 13, season one, episode 15, respectively. Now, when it comes to this specific topic, I'd like to offer you a perspective you may not have thought of. I think dealing with the believer is pretty straightforward because you can appeal to the Bible. The complicated case when dealing with evolution versus creation is interacting with an unbeliever. Makes sense. So I would first ask them questions in order to understand what they believe. We could go back to the definitions based on what they believe or that are key to their beliefs. And we could talk, you know, for instance, what do you mean by creation? What do you mean by evolution? Once the keywords are out of the way and we understand each other, the second thing I would ask is why they are asking me questions about creation versus evolution. Because frankly, Jonathan, this is funny. We brought up whether or not we like arguing earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. What I would say, we do like arguing when it's done in a beneficial way. We mm-hmm. don't like arguing for the sake of arguing. So that's why it's important to ask this person. And we're doing this based off of experience. A lot of times people who believe in evolution over creation love having arguments with Christians because so often Christians have worse answers than the people who are atheists and believe in evolution. And if they want to argue just for the sake of arguing or even worse for maybe trying to just make you look dumb, I tell them I'm, in, I'm not interested if they just want to argue, I'm not interested. We're kind of too busy to just argue. Right. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. Now, if they say, well, I'd like to understand, then there's a follow-up question, which will prove whether or not they want to understand. All right. Well, if I have answers to your questions, will you believe in God? Ooh, that's so good. Or maybe a little more specific than that. If I answer your questions and have better answers than yours, will you believe in creation and in God over evolution? and? whatever it is you would, you know, title the belief system you have, whether that be atheism atheism or something else. And if they say no, then again, you ask, well, why are we talking about this? Essentially, yes. this question, if I answer your questions, will you believe in God is more about getting to proving out whether or not they really want to understand Nice. And flushing out what the real reason is behind discussing this.
0: Oh, I love that so much. That's so good. Back up, back, 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 back up.
1: It would. I would have saved, if I would have known this stuff years ago, it would have saved me a lot of arguments that ended up going south because one or both of us had intentions that were proven out to be, we just really wanted to argue.
0: Yep. You wanted to be right.
1: Yeah. And proven smart or whatever. Yep. Now, as for the science of evolution versus creation, let's look a little bit into that. Maybe have some info here you haven't heard before. The reality is we don't know what happened between Genesis one one and two. So I'm not even going to refute that. We don't know what happened between those. It could have been millions of years and the earth could have been the battleground for a spiritual war. We know there's battles going on in the spiritual realm, right? Mm -hmm. Now, as far as carbon dating goes, carbon dating is a theory. And it is based on an assumption of what was present at the beginning. An assumption of how much carbon was present at the beginning.
0: Okay.
1: Based on how much present. How much carbon is present now in whatever I'm testing, then the difference would tell me how old that thing is. But you hear the important part of what this theory does is carbon dating is based on an assumption, not on a fact. Okay. We assume there's this much carbon at this time, mm. which would then mean if there's a certain amount now in our present time based on what we assume was in the beginning we can measure time that way the problem is we don't know for sure how much carbon was present we're guessing we're assuming based on theory now let's look at another dating method micrometeorite dust That's what I'm like, seriously, there's going to be some, some concepts we're touching on here.
0: This is totally, this is a
1: totally different episode. Right. Like you, where you likely haven't heard this stuff before. Totally. So there is a constant level of micrometeorite dust in our solar system. We can't measure it on earth because we have an atmosphere. However, we can measure it on the moon. Now, you just think of with micrometeorite dust, just think of any dust falling in your house. Over time, you could measure how long that house was there, especially if there was no atmosphere to interfere with the dust, right? Okay, yeah. Now, that's what's happening because of the no atmosphere outside of Earth. This micrometeorite dust is falling at a consistent level that is allowing us to measure how long something is there based on how deep the micrometeorite dust is. All right. Now let's talk about the moon again. One of the issues with the moon landing is that the level of micrometeorite dust that would have accumulated over millions of years would calculate out to over 30 feet of dust. Oh. Oh. So NASA sent several test rockets to the moon, and they found that the level was low, a lot less than 30 feet, but they didn't believe it. When Apollo 11 landed on the moon, the last thing Neil Armstrong said before he stepped on the moon was this. The lunar module footpads are only depressed in the surface about one to two inches. Although the surface appears to be very, very fine grained as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder down there. It's very fine. So basically he's describing, wow, this is like, well, this is dust. This is the micrometeorite dust on the moon, but it's only one to two inches deep. Then after he said his famous sentence about one small step for man, his first words were, and the surface is fine and powdery. I can, I can pick it up loosely with my toe. So it turns out the depth of the micrometeorite dust on the moon was closer to 10,000 years worth. <laughs> ah, Which was a major, major conflict into the assumed millions of years of dust they were expecting. Back to the Genesis account.
0: I'm having fun. This is great. This is great, isn't it?
1: Yeah, this is this is awesome. Let's make science fun. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's make science fun again, America.
1: Back to the Genesis account. On the second day, God separated the waters into two layers, one on earth and one above the earth. This is the only day that God did not say was quote good. Not that it was bad. It was just, I'm just saying God didn't declare this day good. Anyone who says that God said every day was good is someone who is not teaching from the Bible. But the reason God did not say it was good is that nothing was created. Remember, we have seen that good means something is created. What God did on the second day is known as the canopy theory. Now, if the earth was covered by a layer of water in the atmosphere, it would, among many other things, ensure the world was at a constant temperature and it would protect humans and animals from harmful radiation from the sun. Consequently, humans would live longer, hundreds of years longer. And it is said that a reptile grows until the day it dies. What would a reptile look like that lived hundreds of years? A dinosaur? Jonathan's got a big smile on his face. I do. I'm grinning. This is so good.
0: This is so fun.
1: The earth was all one land with the humans inhabiting the portion around the Mideast of that one big continent. Mm. Most of the dinosaur bones are found high in the deserts and badlands of North America, China, and Argentina, which are all locations that are far from the Mideast where the humans were inhabiting. Once the land was divided, which is recorded Genesis 10.25, those locations, North America, China, Argentina, were all on different continents. So it, it makes sense that all these dinosaur bones being found in these very far and separate continents now, at one point, were part of a greater and united one continent, one land. Furthermore, not, notice God not only flooded the earth with the water from the canopy, the Bible said the water came up from the earth. That's from Genesis 7, 11. According to the Bible, there is a reserve of water inside the earth. Now, beyond these scientific points, the main point I would want to make about the ultimate answer is in regards to evangelism. The story for evangelism is this. The character is God created the heavens and the earth. The conflict Man chose to sin instead of of obeying God. And the resolution is, God sent Jesus to redeem man. Notice, creation is one-third of the story leading to evangelism, which makes understanding creation very important if you're going to evangelize.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah,
1: The creation story is the ultimate expression of the power of God. Power being how much work is done divided by the time it took to complete. How powerful is a God that could create the universe and everything in it in six days? Very, very (laughs) the most. Yeah. Evolution diminishes that because evolution is the gradual development of something, especially from a simple to a more complex form. Got it. And finally, some scriptures that are helpful. 2 Timothy 3, 1-7 says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, Jonathan, I don't want to deny the power of God.
0: Mm -mm.
1: We are taught to not associate with people who deny the power of God. And we are also taught to not associate with people who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What we can do with this ultimate answer with any topic, including evolution versus creation, is continue to be leaders by taking direction from God via grace in order to love the people we're interacting with.
0: Amazing. So, as our listeners have heard now, ultimately, when interacting with either side, so this is regardless of the context or the person that you're talking to, we want to lead the other person by taking direction from God via grace in order to love them. Grace and love are the keys to avoiding enabling or judging the other person with the hopes of winning them. Amazing. And this this is just the, this is the big backward step that we're going to take with all of this. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that we are in the right spot before engaging with anyone in any topic. Yes. It's awesome. Okay, so what I wanna do now is I wanna summarize dealing with these different categories of people that we have. And the first case is is dealing with a believer regarding creation or evolution because they're a believer and they believe in the Bible. It's straightforward because you can use the Bible to share with them the answer. So the complicated case is actually dealing with an unbeliever. Yeah. And what we would first ask them is we would ask them questions to understand what they believe. What do you believe about this? What is your how do you think the earth came to be? And that would go back to definitions, which we learned in season six. Everything goes back to definitions. We wanna understand their words. So what do you mean by creation? What do you mean by evolution? What do you mean by the big bang, et cetera, et cetera? Second, we would ask them why they're asking. If they just wanna argue, we get to say, well, I I understand that you just wanna argue. I am not interested in only arguing. If they say they want to understand, then ask them, Hey, okay. So you want to understand about this and what I believe because you've shared your beliefs and I understand you. Um, if I answer your questions, if I, let's say, remove the contradictions that you have in your belief system, are you going to believe in God? And if they say no, well, no, I'm not going to no. that's, I'm not going to believe in God. Then I would ask them, well, again, then I just want to know why are we talking about this? Yeah. When it comes to evangelism, we need to share a story with them. Yeah. This is how yeah. we reach people regarding this topic of creation versus evolution is we introduce the characters, introduce the conflict and resolve the conflict. The characters being God created the heavens and the earth. The conflict Man chose to sin instead of obey God, but the resolution is that God sent Jesus to redeem man. Yeah. And creation is so important in evangelism because creation is a third of the story, which makes understanding creation super important to evangelize this topic. Wonderful. Does that make sense? Do I get you, Joel?
1: Yeah, you get me. Because, you know, all the science stuff was great. That was fun.
0: Oh, it was fun.
1: But when we get to the ultimate, I feel like you summarize the important parts that we need to remember in order to have a profitable discussion with someone. And as great as the science stuff is, and it is helpful, I don't necessarily think you need to know all that stuff in order to have the tools to interact with people regarding evolution and creation in a beneficial way. As long as you stick with what you said, you know, it's this leading people by grace and love and it's getting down to what our definitions are. It's getting down to what the objective is for even having this discussion. And then I love the big backward step of really emphasizing the importance of creation to, to evangelism. So yeah, definitely my satisfaction. Thank you for repeating it back to me. I feel heard. And, uh, yeah, the, just amazing conversation. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. I, 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 I love this topic. Eight eight nine ten 10 year old Jonathan is just totally cheesing uh, out about I all know, of man. those, those, uh, creation facts. Yeah. And just how I don't, it just makes me smile because it helps build my faith that, you know, we have a God that's very real and, to be able to, to have these tangible things to point to, to prove to create a intelligent design is always just, it it makes me cheese, man. Makes me, make, make me big, big old smile. Me too. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel. This has been what the flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this topic and how to deal with people who either bully or enable regarding this topic, please listen to the music of life church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening everybody. And remember, If you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.